0: You're listening to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast, episode 18. Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast. If my mom can do it, you can too. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am Jen Hardy, I'm the mom of seven children. At the date of this recording, they range in age from six to 28. I have had chronic illness my entire life, but it wasn't identified until recently. So I've slowly been declining this whole time, chasing diagnoses. My most recent one is muscular dystrophy, which explains a lot. I have a few other eclectic diseases thrown in there. And throughout this parenting journey that I've had, raising these children, I have come up with a lot of different systems and ways to cope and handle dealing with being a parent and dealing with the medical system and all these variety of things while spending a lot of time in bed or on the couch. And I have this podcast so that I can share them with you and we can encourage each other and make each other's lives better. So today we're going to talk about how to get it together when you can't get off the couch. Because no matter what kind of health issue you're going through, whether it's chronic illness or chronic pain, depression or anxiety, there's just some days when it's tough to get things done. And there's some days for me and a bunch of the people that I know where we can't get out of bed or we can't get off the couch at all, sometimes for hours, sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks and sometimes longer. So what I want to talk about today is how we can enjoy our life and get things finished when we're having days like that or when our life's like that. Right now, it's May when I'm recording this. It's the very end of May. It's summer here, but this can apply to any time. It can be when the kids are off for summer break or winter break or spring break, the weekend, or maybe they've just gotten home from school. And they want things to do, and the house is a mess, and you're sitting there going, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to get this all together. This episode is for you. So we're going to talk about what to do, how to keep everyone busy, how to keep your house clean, and, are you ready, how to get everybody to help. Because I have got a secret that can get your children to help you pick up around the house and make it look good no matter how old they are. So whether they're two or 10 or 18, this trick will help you get things done. And it's simple for them, and it works every time. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the book, The Sick Mom's Guide to Having Fun Again. If I can do it, you can too. Yes, I wrote that book. And I'll tell you why. Four years ago, I was very sick. I was possibly misdiagnosed. We're not quite sure with my myasthenia gravis and I wasn't responding to the treatments. And so I would be in the hospital for a week and then I'd be out for a few weeks and then I'd be in for a week and out for a few weeks. That happened six times. Now, during that time, my younger kids were two and four, and we had four teenagers at home. My husband had to work full time. So I was still kind of coordinating things for my hospital bed to some degree, who's going to go where and how things are going to happen. But then when they'd come visit me, it was really uncomfortable. I felt bad and guilty and obviously very sick. And they felt awkward and like they should entertain me. And I felt like I should entertain them. And we just didn't know how to get it together. And then when I came home, I spent four months in bed. If I wanted to go anywhere, I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't even walk to my neighbor's house. It was rough. And um, I'm really feeling very lucky that today I can walk. Um, Some days are better than others. But during that time, I kept trying to research, like, how can I be a mom when I can't get Out of the hospital, right? How can I be a mom when I can't get out of bed? And I had a really hard time finding things. Like you know, I could find something here or something there, but during that time, I just didn't have a lot of fun. I didn't enjoy my life. I mean, obviously, I was sick, but I lost a lot of living during those few years. Then and right after, because I was just so down, and I didn't see that I could ever enjoy my life again. Didn't see how I could enjoy my children. But I want to tell you, you can enjoy your life and you can enjoy your children. And it doesn't matter what you're going through or how things are, you can make it better. And that's why I have this podcast, because I used to be really down and not fun and boring. And I'm, I'm enjoying my life now as sick as I am, more than I ever have in the rest of my life. And most of it's mindset. A lot of it is because I'm surrounding myself with different people who are more positive, And I'm not going to lie to you and say I don't have bad days or that I don't get down or that I'm constantly having fun all the time, because that's not true, but my life is so much better, and I want yours to be so much better, too. So we're going to talk about how to get you there, and how to start today with enjoying a little bit more of your life today. So the book, The Sick Mom's Guide to Having Fun Again, has over 200 things for you to do. Now, 100 of them are with your kids. 50 of those things are to do with your kids when you can't get off the couch or out of bed. And the other thing about this book is in the beginning, it doesn't start with like play with your kids, do things with your kids, have fun. It starts about the reality of where where you're at right now. It starts with the myths about being a sick mom and the downsides. It starts about getting rid of your guilt. I really firmly believe we have to ditch this guilt. It's not doing you any good. You be the best person you can be and you let everything else go. Guilt can be gone. Anyway. So start there. It's got some great ideas in it. It can get you going. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Kindle. And the audiobook is coming. So there's one resource for you. My second best resource is the library. So back then, we lived in a very rural town in Tennessee. It was so rural and so small that the fanciest, cleanest place out there was the Walgreens Pharmacy. I am not even... Exaggerating. It was a very small place. But even that small town's library had a lot of great resources. They obviously had books. They had audiobooks, which, if you're not feeling good, audiobooks are a wonderful thing. You just lay back, close your eyes. If you've got a headache or you can't, you know, your brightness is bothering you or your eyes are just so tired you can't see, get a good audiobook and let it take you into another world and just transport you for a little while into happiness. I do it all the time and it's quite wonderful. But also at the library, they have things like story time for little kids. They'll have teen activities. My kids were on the teen advisory board, or they'll call it different things where they decide what the library is going to do for kids, which as an aside, looks great, on an application to college, because kids are supposed to have leadership. And if they get a position on the library board, it just looks really good. So something to file for later on. Anyway, but the library just has so many good resources, especially during breaks like summer break. They'll always have all kinds of great things. Now we've moved down to a bigger city, a little south of Nashville. And here we have an amazing library. So they have story time, and they have teen things, and all the things that teens are into, like right now, that's what they have there. And, and then for the elementary kids, they have animal things and craft things, and they bring people in to do music and magic and all kinds of fun stuff. And my eight-year-old loves computers, so she's learning how to code. And so she goes every other week to the library for free and learns how to code. And during the summer, she goes every week and it's amazing. So it's an hour when I can just kind of sit and zone out and she's doing something fun and it's wonderful. So I recommend checking into your library. Also, while we're talking about computers and coding, coding is where it's at. No matter what your kids are going to do later, they can't go wrong learning how to code. And there's a thing called Scratch, and I'll have a link in the show notes. It's an MIT thing, and they created it for kids to learn coding. It starts very basic, and they work their way up until they're actually, like, coding, coding. But they start with little things, like a little cat, and they make him dance, and they give him music. And that's something that you can do at home if you have a computer, and they will spend hours. And it's super simple for you to help them. You don't have to know how to code to go along with them in the early parts and do the stuff. So that's another great thing for you to do. Another resource is recreation centers or the rec center near us, we have a great one. There's one in almost every city around me. And so they have the obvious like swimming during the summer and those kind of things. But then they'll have art classes. And the one next to us has a Jedi camp. So they go a couple hours every day for a week and they make a costume and they do all this crazy Jedi things. And you just never know what they're going to have if you don't look. So I highly recommend looking into those kind of things because they're also low cost And you know, you can find all kinds of fabulous classes for hundreds or thousands of dollars for your kids. But if you're looking for something kind of more mellow, the library and the rec center have great things. So, we've talked about the kids a little bit. I want to talk about you a little bit more, though, because I don't want you to forget to enjoy yourself. Because here's the thing you're a mom. If you have kids, which makes you a mom, you are focused a lot on taking care of those kids. You're thinking about school and about homework. And if it's summer break, you're worried that they're going to forget their school and worry about what they need to know and are they ready for next year and what do I need to buy and all those things. But then you're also worried about them socially and you think about all those sports and everything that involves your child if you have a significant other you're also caring for them no matter who lives in your household you want to make sure everyone eats and it's clean and all that there's a lot of things on your mind and that's great because taking care of those things means that you're doing your job right you're doing a good job and no matter how much of that you can keep up with you are doing the best you can and that is awesome but if you want to be the best mom you can be, you really have to take care of yourself. I'm not really a big fan of the word self-care. I don't know why. I That and the word resilient, for some reason, get on my nerves. We're a military family. And if they had told us how resilient we were one more time, I was going to scream. And it's kind of the same thing about self-care. So but you need to take care of yourself. What no matter what you want to call it. So if that means you're going to lock the door and take a nice warm bath or you're going to have a neighbor or somebody take your kids out for a couple hours and you can just chill out in your own house and relax, that's another great thing. That can be kind of dangerous for me because if I'm home alone and I start looking around, I see projects everywhere that have been daunting me forever. And so I'm like, oh, well, with the kids gone, I should paint this or hang up those pictures or work on that craft thing or put the photos together that I haven't done in 18 years or, you know, any of those things. That's not relaxing. So if that's what you do, then go out somewhere. You know, give yourself a little bit of money. If budget's a thing, right? If if you are on a budget or but money's tight, give yourself $5 or $10 or $20 and allow yourself give yourself permission to go do whatever you want just for you because everybody needs that you would give it to your kids you would give it to your significant other you would want them to go out and enjoy your life and they want you to enjoy yours too cuz here's the deal you take some time for you You do what you like to do. You eat the food you like to eat and drink the things you like to drink and go somewhere you want to go. It doesn't matter if nobody else likes it or not. You go enjoy it. And then when you come back, you're happier and you feel lighter and you might smile more or smile at all. It depends on how your week has been. And your family is going to respond to that. And the more you take care of yourself and the more you make yourself happy, the more you're going to teach your children how to be happy. Because if you are constantly giving yourself and giving of yourself and giving of yourself and never being happy, and your kids see that, they're going to grow up and be the same way. So I want you to look at how you feel and look at what you're modeling for your kids and think, am I modeling for them to be happy when they get older? And if I'm not, I need to start doing some things for me. And I'm not saying be totally selfish, be irresponsible, but you can go have fun and you can do things for you. I encourage you. In fact, I would love it if you have a calendar or if you don't, if you have a piece of paper, even if you have to rip it off something else, write down one good thing you can do for you and set it somewhere you're going to see it. and I want you to do it because you need to have fun too. So we've covered fun. Now we're gonna talk about the nitty-gritty, which is keeping the house clean with the kids at home, okay? Or keeping it clean after they've come home from school and dumped their stuff everywhere, or keeping it clean over the weekend. And I don't know what it is in the floor that's like some kind of magnet for kid stuff, but it just seems to suck their stuff right to it. I don't know if you've noticed that in your house. And every flat surface seems to just have this scattering of like I don't even know what it is. It's just stuff, right? If I call it junk, my kids get upset because they're like, this is not junk. It's my stuff. And it is. And sometimes it's my own stuff. But when it's laying everywhere, it just feels like junk to me. And it's no fun to live like that when everything's like scattered. So I don't care for it. I don't know of anybody who really enjoys living in squalor. Not that you're living in squalor. I'm not living in squalor, but you know what I mean. Like when it just feels yucky when there's just stuff everywhere. So I am going to give you a few quick and easy tips for getting stuff picked up without using a lot of energy so that you can look around and you can feel more peaceful. Because let's face it, when our homes are peaceful, we feel peaceful, right? And when our homes are chaos, we tend to feel a little bit more chaotic. So, what's the first thing you can do? Here is my secret that I talked about earlier honestly, I love this. Everybody I've shared it with uses it at their house, and they love it because it works. And no matter how old your children are, okay, well, from two and up, okay? They're two, they're 10, they're 18, they're any age, they can be older. It's called pick up your age. So what you do is, let's say you have a five-year-old and he just dumped his toy bucket out on the floor. So it's like full of toys. Well, a lot of five-year-olds cannot pick up every single toy because they're five, right? But you're going to teach him now at five, how to start doing it. So when he gets older, he can pick up more. And here's the deal. Whatever your age is, you're going to pick up that many things. So you're in the playroom or the living room or whatever. It's time to pick up your age. You're going to pick up five things. Then you're going to go in your bedroom. You're going to pick up five things right? If you're older, you can do it in the kitchen and the bathroom. And then you decide how many rooms are you going to pick up? So little kids, right? One or two rooms, you pick up your age. It may not look like they're really putting a dent in the mess in the beginning. But as they get older, they're learning how to pick up after themselves because then they think, wait a minute, I know I'm going to have to pick this up later. So I might as well pick it up now. And that may take you a decade to get there, but you'll get there. I promise. Because we did this for my older kids, and I have to say, I was a little bit more pushy with them, but all of them have come back to me and thanked me for teaching them how to take care of themselves. Because the ones that moved out and they went to college, they had a really hard time with the people around them not knowing how to take care of themselves. So... If you're feeling guilty right now because, you know, your kids help with the dishes and they help with the laundry and they're helping with the cleaning, don't feel guilty. Now, on the flip side of that, I would say they're not your maiden butler, right? You don't want to make them do everything all the time without thanks because that's just, it's just going to build up resentment and bitterness. I can tell you firsthand because I did push some of my older kids a little too far. So you are going to want to find the balance. But the age thing is is awesome. And if the house is a big mess, you just tell them to go do their age in every room if they're older. And the one thing is they need to know they can't pick up their age and run room and dump it in the other room. So whatever they pick up, it's going to go in its home. So if they decide to pick up their brother's stuff um, and brother doesn't want them in their room, then dumping it off at his door, that just doesn't count. So just something to know, because that's not helping you having one pile move from one place to the other. The second thing I'm going to talk about is the one-hour roundup. So as its name says, this involves one hour. And this is if you are feeling a little bit better or if you've got older kids, they can help you out with this. So this is the deal. You're going to go into each room, okay? And all that little junk that's out, you're going to take it and put it in one central location. So for instance, you're in the living room. You look around the living room and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't take this anymore it's too much. You Just take everything in that living room and put it on the couch. Everything that's out that doesn't belong. Furniture stays where it is, obviously. But everything that's out goes on the couch. Then go into your bedroom and take everything that's out. Now, if you've got dirty clothes, I would put those in the hamper. But clean clothes that are laying around, everything that just somehow got dumped in your room, you're going to put it on a corner of the bed. Okay? Not thrown all over the bed, but like in one spot. You're going to go into the kitchen and You're going to take all the dishes and you're going to put them in the sink. You're not going to load the dishwasher. You're not going to wash anything. You're just going to put them in the sink. Okay. And you're going to wipe the counters, sweep the floor. If there's stuff all over, you've just done the kitchen in five minutes. Do the dishes still need to be done? Sure they do, but it doesn't have to be done right now. And now you can go in there. People can make dinner. They can make lunch. It feels clean, right? But you haven't totally stressed. So when you go into every room, you've got your one spot in every room. Now, if company's coming, that spot may be the closet, and that's okay. The only thing I recommend is don't build it up day after day after day and then open it like a cartoon and have everything like slam out of you out of the clo- out you out of the closet. So, if you put things in the closet, make yourself or make somebody go in there later and get it back out that day and put it away, okay? But you've you've rounded stuff up, and now all you have to do is take a duster right quickly just go over the things that look dusty that's it and then 5 minutes in each room vacuuming no more than 5 just just in the middle of the room just the messy part and look at that in 1 hour you've got your house done now if you have a little extra time you can go get a couple of paper towels or a baby wipe wipe over your bathroom counters make sure there's nothing else laying out and those are done too so this isn't a deep cleaning thing okay? This is a, you don't want to live in chaos and everything around you is a mess and don't have a lot of energy. You have just cleaned your whole house. And if somebody showed up right now, it's going to look clean. Because even if you have one little pile of stuff on the couch and somebody walks in, it looks okay, right? So there you go. And the third thing that I'm going to talk about is learning to accept good enough. So about 10 years ago, my husband was deployed, I man, it was nine years ago. Nine years ago, my husband was deployed. He was in Iraq, and we had this group of moms, of army moms. We got together, and uh, well, and dads. We had army moms and army dads because we had some soldiers that were women, and they were awesome. So we'd all get together once a month, and sometimes we'd just get together and talk, and sometimes we'd have a speaker, and I got a speaker one month to come. And he talked about just how to handle the deployment and how to handle doing things when you're not used to doing it all your own and all these different things and how to make it easier for the kids. And one of the things he really pushed was accepting good enough. Like good enough is the new perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. And I really, really pushed back on that. I did not like it. I wanted everything to be perfect. I was exhausted. I had just had a baby. I was not in the mood to have someone tell me to do things differently. Um, and I really pushed my kids. I kind of, you know, hinted at that earlier. Back at, during that time, I really pushed them and I made them do a lot and I made them do it perfect. And I'll tell you from my experience, that is not a good plan. Okay. So there's one thing in teaching your kids how to do things, and there is another in just expecting them to be too perfect. It's okay if they're 10. And they leave a little bit of mess when they pick up. Or if they're 16 and they clean up the kitchen for you and they forget part of it. That's okay and it's normal. And instead of like berating them for that, and I'll be honest, I would have done that back then. It's okay to just say, you know what? You did a great job. You did a great job. And I appreciate the offer, the effort you put in. And don't even let them know that you noticed something. I've changed And I do things like that now. And I'll tell you what, people are a lot more inclined to help me now because they know I'm going to be happy with what they did. Because if people are helping you and they never feel like you're happy about it, they're not going to offer to do it anymore. So make sure that you seem happy and encourage them to want to do it again. Okay, so that's it. We talked about having fun for your kids how to get them fun, and the importance of you having fun. And I should have talked about that first, because your fun does need to come first, even though it doesn't feel like it should sometimes. It should. You deserve it. It's good. Go out and enjoy yourself. You know how to get your house tidied up in an hour quickly so that you can just kind of sit in peace with no more chaos and relax. You can get your kids to help you. Also, if you do the one hour roundup first, then the kids can go to all the little piles and do their age and run the stuff. And then it's almost totally done. So that is how to keep it together when you can't get off the couch in its most basic form. I would love to hear how you keep it together when you're not feeling good, or how do you keep it together when you are feeling good? I want to know, like, what are your little helpful hints? What are the tricks that you use to make your life better? Because we're all in this together. There are millions of us, and we want to know what we can do to make our lives easier. Because let's face it, even if we felt great, wouldn't it be nice if we had ways to make our lives easier so we could just go out and have fun way more often? So you can email me, Jen, at the Sick Moms Guide. I read every email. I respond to every email. I would love to hear from you. You can email me about this or about anything else. You can find the Sick Moms Guide on Facebook our support group that is an amazing group of women. You can jump in there, share your tips. You can jump in there if you need encouragement or you just want to be around a group of women who get it. It's Chronically Positive Moms. I'm hoping to move us to a private forum so we have a little bit more privacy. We can talk about a little more detailed things. But for right now, that's where we're at. So I encourage you to find me at one of those places. Let me know what's working. Let me know what doesn't work you try one of those things and it doesn't work for you, then let me know. We can modify it. We can change things. We can make things better. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. Like I said, there's millions of moms out there that are dealing with all these different issues, chronic illness, chronic pain, depression, anxiety. They're being a mom, they're being significant other. Sometimes they are trying to get themselves fed and clothed and figure out how the money's coming in and do all that stuff where they don't feel good. You're not alone. It is time for us to ditch all this guilt and stop being afraid to open up and start talking to each other. Because I think you'd be surprised. You may have neighbors or friends you don't even know are dealing with the same thing. So I encourage you to open up to people and talk to them, find friends where maybe you can like share childcare. Maybe you take their kids, even if it's like two hours a week and they take yours two hours a week, that is two hours that you didn't have before. Maybe it's just to sit and do absolutely nothing. Sometimes that's the best thing of all to do, right? And you'll know you don't have to jump up and nobody's calling you and you don't have to take care of anybody and give yourself that freedom give yourself the gift of relaxation because you deserve it. And I really would love to hear from you. So please reach out to me again, jen at the Sick Moms If you like this episode, I would love it if you would subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, because that way next week when our next episode comes out, it's going to be delivered right to you. You'll never have to wonder again. And we've got a great series on parenting coming up that I think you're really going to like. I've got some great people. I'm even going to be interviewing some men, which is a little bit different, but we can because they're really awesome. And I think you're going to like what they have to say. So be sure to subscribe and you'll know exactly when those episodes come out. Thank you again for joining me today. Our music was A New Day by Scott Holmes. Look forward to talking to you next week.